Lord. This, uh, this Sunday is, is what many would know as the last challenge, last Sunday in the church calendar. You know, if you start the church year in Advent traditionally, this Sunday would be the last Sunday. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. Now, if you're like me, you normally count on the first Sunday of Advent being the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Except for one out of every, I guess, ten-ish years where there are four Thursdays and, and, and so Thanksgiving is a week early and then it messes. And so this year we celebrate Christmas Eve and in the morning as Advent 4, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we celebrate it in the evening as the celebration of the incarnation of Christ with us for which we've been awaiting. So for me it's always like, I've been talking to music team and other people. I'm like, Christmas Eve, do you want to lead worship? And they're like, no, I'll be with family. I'm like, no, I mean Christmas Eve morning. Because Eve means evening, and it just messes me up every time I say Eve, Eve. Um, so that's me. <laughs> but one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about this Sunday, this Sunday is normally called Christ Reign of Christ Sunday. And one of the places that we see this reign of Christ is in the church, which Paul calls out here in this letter. That the reign of Christ is exhibited in his body here on earth, the church. One of the things that, that's hard for me is that when we're at church, or when I'm preaching at church, I rarely talk about church. I rarely talk about the thing that we're doing. And I was joking with Kelly that, that I think it's like running. You know, when you're running, you rarely talk about running. But if you do run, and, and I've done this at times, you know, I'm the type of runner who starts, goes for a month, maybe six months, quits for two years, decides, you know, I should get back in shape as if the six months of running did that. And then start again. But if you were to take some time during the time that you're learning to run, you're starting to run, to actually talk about it with people, you would find out more about how to prevent those pains and aches, how to take care of your body, how to work up. You know, this is, and I'm still young enough that when I start, I'm like, I'm going to go run five miles, which somewhat works for the most part, but then I come and I can't run for like four or five days because I'm so sore that I decided to start by just breaking my body in half. My point being is that we rarely talk about that when we start and move up to it. There are other things like this in the world. Um, this is the most awkward one. You rarely talk about kissing while you're kissing. Um, you rarely talk about those things. You rarely maybe even talk about it after, depending on who you're kissing, I guess. But that's a, a different story. But the point being is that at church, I try to stick with where the scripture brings us. Where it takes us along and let that dictate the day, but I think sometimes it would be helpful for us to talk about what it means to be church together. What it means to be a part of this universal thing called the body of Christ. What does it mean to be the body of Christ here in Glenwood Springs? To take time to look at all those things, but like I said, I find myself naturally drawn away from it. But this year, as we talked about it, the sort of state the, the church business meeting, was that this year I want us to try and focus, what does it mean to be Defiance Church in Glenwood Springs? Now, if you've been out to lunch with me after church, or basically any day, you know that I do love to talk about the church. I'll talk your ear off about this church, and the global church, and the church universal, and where the church is at in the world today in 21st century North America, and all of that. 
And so part of what we're going to try to do in this next year is have that bleed into our Sunday services a little bit more than it has. But that also means I want to take time to sit and get coffee or beer or, or lunch or dinner with each of you maybe once or twice over the course of the year to find out, too, what you think it means for us to be Defiance Church. To be a church rooted and grounded in Glenwood Springs and in a certain tradition and certain practices in a certain way. So that at the end of the year, we just finished our Lord's series, series prayer series, Lord's Prayer series um, last Sunday or two Sundays ago. That at the end of the year, we would have a fall series would be on what we learned about talking about what it means to be the church. What do we value that we already do? What ways do we want to stretch and push ourselves into things that we don't already do? What are the new things, or new is often in church talk slang for old things, we just haven't done them in a long time. What are the new old things we'd like to bring back into the church? And what are the things we'd maybe like to let go of and maybe try to, try to see if something else can upbuild our body here greater into the character of Christ? And for us to be able to do that together is sort of part of the challenge. Now, if you've liked me, you've probably bought at least one book on the spiritual disciplines or have a whole library full of them like I do. Now, the most common one is Richard Foster's sort of The Spirit of the Disciplines. Or that's Dallas Willard, so see, I'm already messing them up. Celebration of the Disciplines is Richard Foster. The Spirit of the Disciplines is Dallas Willard. But many of these books, while great as they are, they often set us on the path to holiness by ourselves. I'm going to take up this sort of scripture reading. I'm going to take up this sort of prayer life. I'm going to take up this sort of motions of fasting and feasting to make my life upbuilt into the character of Christ. And while those things have been good for me and strong for me, they've always been better and longer lasting the more I attached a community who did them with me to them. That's one of the downfalls of, of many of those books, is they're sort of like things you add into your life, but they don't quite shift the whole thing. And they don't call you into a community that's also being swept along in that direction. Now, my last church, we used to talk a lot about, you know, well, we, we're, we're getting smaller. Um, I was the associate pastor, so I can only take half the blame. We're getting smaller, and what can we do about it? And inevitably, somebody would say, well, you know, the Johnsons haven't been here a lot. The owners haven't been here a while. How can we get them engaged back? And I would always say, I would say that, you know, perhaps if the church can be like the thing following the cloud and the fire in the desert, that people would actually move with us. Maybe the problem is that we look back so much. We wonder what we've lost along the way. Rather than focusing on that cloud and that fire that accompanies us through the desert of our lives as it can feel sometimes. It's the Spirit of God that sort of guides us and empowers us. So I think when we're doing that, we begin to find that we're doing something interesting together. We're going someplace together. We're following God on this adventure that we call salvation. We're becoming the holy people that God has called us to be. And yet, if we, if we begin to look back or try and just give us all 
the ability to sort of break up our spiritual lives and we have people who just like to do um, this type of study over here and people who like to do that type of study here. And those are the people who, who set up and tear down everything and those are the people over here who just want to serve at the soup kitchen. We begin to sort of fracture our body into different ways. But the analogy that Paul used in the scripture for today is that we're to be a body of Christ. Well, the body has different parts. It does have sort of one movement, and even more so in Paul's language, it has one head, who is Jesus. What does it mean for us to sort of fall into that body that God has called us into? God has called us together into that. Now, one of the things that's, that's funny about the church, particularly being a pastor, is everybody's got an opinion about the church. Um, it's too judgmental. It didn't judge those people enough. Um, uh, the worship is bad. The worship is great. I like this better. I liked it better when we did this. We worked at, I was part of a church plant, and in its second year, people would say, oh, man, I just loved it so much more when it was this way. It only takes two years for tradition to become that strong that somebody says, it was better two years ago. Um, the church has, has failed us in, in who it votes for in its politics. The church hasn't done enough to push its politics into the world and to do this. The church is always compromising. The church isn't compromising enough. The church exists in this place in which it has pulled a thousand different directions. Depending on your temperament, depending on your call, you may have some of these complaints within you. Now that didn't feel right. That didn't feel this. And some of these things I mean to say are wise to listen to. The church starts to feel wrong for a long period of time. That's a smart thing. Some of these things are just tastes and we don't quite see them as that. My favorite is, and it normally happened, that, um, is that that sermon didn't really speak to me. And it never occurs to most people that, like, maybe that sermon wasn't for you. Um, or that song we sang during worship, it doesn't really move me. Well, maybe that song isn't meant for you. But that's this whole body of people that is doing something together in the world. And so for us, I think, the challenge for this next year is to begin to be able to define that. To be able to see why and how we're a church in the world. And Andrew, who came and preached last Sunday, talked about how the daily patterns and the rhythms of being a Christian in the world is how darkness is pushed back. I don't want you to think that my strategy or what it comes up with out of this is going to be a grand solution to change everything. It probably won't be that at all. But it will give us clearer names and practices for the do, things we do all the time so that we can be further pushed out into the world. It's not going to be a grand revitalization of what the church is. There's only so many things you can actually do to do that. Um, when people talk about, but your church felt like every other church. It's like, ah, that's kind of what we've got. There's like five materials we get to work with, and we mix them different ways, but they're not vastly different uh, um, there is no cumin in the church world. It's pretty much like salt, pepper, your big meat. This, um, uh, someday maybe we'll find that. But for the most part, we're all working with the same stuff at hand. But we can order it and, and emphasize different areas to sort of get different flavors and different results. And so the question for me, and the question in the sort of third year for, for me here, and our second year as a name, is what does it mean to be Defiance Church as a corporate body, not just an individual one. So that's part of what I'd, I'd like to sort of spend this next year doing. 
Now, one of the things that people will say is that Jesus Christ came announcing the kingdom of God, and what we got instead was the church. Um, what does it mean for us to also announce that, not as an end in itself, but as a connection to what Jesus did in his pronouncement of this kingdom? What does it mean for that to be named in a way that moves us together? That we mirror God's kingdom and what God did there. And so one of the things that's been so interesting to me is that as we've been doing Ephesians in, in our house church, small group, missional community, whatever you want to call it, type format, is how much Paul is writing to this group of probably, at least the people who are reading this letter aloud for the first time, aren't much larger than the group of people gathered here. The early Christians largely met in houses, and the ancient house just wasn't that big. Now, while there might have been 1,000 Christians or 2,000 Christians in Ephesus, that letter was circulated to all of them. But when you heard it for the first time, it was in a place about this big. Or not even a place this big. About this many people. And what this guy, Paul, is trying to tell you about this person, Jesus, you were sort of falling in love with, getting connected to, and seeing as sort of the ultimate creation and sign that God has done a new thing is that he's over everything. He's over every power, every dominion, every sort of sign and king. And he doesn't and then he adds in that one little weird part, which is for the church. Now I don't think cynics are a twenty first century invention. So I don't think there wasn't one person there sitting around going like, lay it on thick, man. There's a lot in there for this twenty people gathered in my living room that are now people who are bound up with God through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord over everything, who's changing the world, whose footprint has been stamped in history in such a way that it no longer reverberates the same way. That's really what we're doing in my living room. Now, in my living room, my dogs are wandering around. That's really what's happening in this space, is that we're joining ourselves to what God has done definitively through Jesus Christ. Now, Eugene Peterson has a great way of putting this in the message. It's the same passage I read, and I think he adds his, his flourish, but I don't think his flourish is off on this one. He said, that's when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus. I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than ask. I ask that God, our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. Christ raised from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, the final word on everything. And here's where it gets personal for that living room. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral, it's not at the edge of the world. The world is at the edge, the periphery of the church. 
The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is Christ's body by which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. 20 people in Ephesus. That's your good news. 25, 30 people in Glenwood Springs. That's your good news. What we do when we gather together is we sort of become this thing in which Christ rules over us, and that becomes something that reverberates throughout the world. And so what do we have when we talk about that? One of the things, and I'm glad, Hannah, you haven't left us yet, because does Arkansas, do they use y'all? Yes. Well, it's a good word, um, because most of the calls, almost every call to, to holiness in the Bible, even if it looks individual, you, would actually be better translated plural you, which we really don't have in the English language, except for our glorious southern friends who have invented the word y'all. Y'all are called onto this path of holiness. And so as I was thinking about this this past year, there were a couple people who pushed me into saying that, Matt, for you when you preach and you speak in your sermons, you shouldn't think of talking about the life of your church as an adult. All of Scripture is made and equipped for the life of your church and the life of the believers that gather there to empower them into the kingdom. To divide it into a realm of like, well, we're talking about Leviticus just coming next summer. And we can't talk about the church when we're doing that because there is no church when they wrote the book of Leviticus. Is to do a disservice to our people. They're talking about me. But... <laughs> Uh, is, is to do a disservice. And so what does it mean for us to begin to, to say that out more explicitly? But another voice that pushed on me was that was this interview, and I think that Brian and Carly, who took this disc from the Mars Hill Audio Journal, a theologian, his name is Philip Scherner. And they're talking about the state of the church. And he says, well, I try to say that to focus on the common life of the church as a form of witnesses to the purpose and nature of God cannot eliminate the notion that I singular, have to live in that way. And that's the question of sanctification. But it shouldn't become my overriding concern. How am I doing shouldn't become my overriding concern. The overriding concern is my community, my church, in a healthy situation. Am I contributing what I need to it? Am I listening to what it has to tell me? What I'm saying is that we should transfer, as it were, the focus on that common life, and within its common life is that where we live a way of life. It's where we put on Christ and take on the second nature. Of nature, it's describing that this question of personal sanctification and holiness is an important question, but the, but the primary question, perhaps, is the larger question of how is this community functioning? What is it teaching me? Am I listening to it? Am I contributing because that's where we take on the second nature. He says, I worry once you begin to say, how am I doing? Am I getting more holy? And all sorts of things begin to go wrong. But if you say, what are my relationships like? How am I contributing? What's happening? Why am I in this conflict? And how do I get out of this conflict? That changes the location of the struggles that one has to become Christ-like. The radio host, this is great, asked back, at least we should be asking the question of how are we doing? 
See, I think for me, in, in my buying the spiritual disciplines books, I became really focused on the question of how am I doing? How am I going this path and forming this kind of life together? When in fact, the New Testament and the book of Ephesians is really obsessed with us building a common life together. The primary question for me as we go into this next year is how are we doing? And we, because of the New Testament's radical nature, doesn't mean just my family. Doesn't mean just my marriage. Doesn't mean just the people I'm intimately connected with. But it means, as we talked about in the Lord's Prayer Series, anyone who does the will of the Father in heaven. How are we doing? And so the radio host, that's what he says. I said, at least we should now ask, how are we doing? Not just how am I doing? The... The theologian responds, yeah, that's the first question. How are we doing? Exactly. We're not doing too well. The radio host laughed when he ended with that, and we're not doing too well. But I think that's perhaps the truth of what we struggle with here. Is that how do we move from a church culture that, that throughout 21st century North America is not doing too well? We have industries that empower the how am I doing. What does it mean for us in this small place to hear that good news that Paul had for us? And that through this body, we begin to see that this is how God acts in the world. My notes are, are a little bit messy for this morning. As I said, the travel takes a lot out of me. But um, on the back of the bulletin, there's this short question. So why church? The short answer is because the Holy Spirit formed it to be a colony of heaven in the country of death. Church is the core element in the strategy of the Holy Spirit providing human witness and physical presence to the Jesus-inaugurated kingdom of God in this world. It is not that kingdom complete but it is a witness to that kingdom. The challenge for us, I think, in this next year is to find the ways in which we can be a witness to that kingdom together. Which brings us to the fun part that every pastor tries every year for Advent, but I think it's the first step in perhaps doing this, is that I, I found this, this sort of thing online, and I hope maybe someday we can define our own, called the common rule, habits of light for a world of darkness. Which, Betty quickly found is the circle on the bottom of um, the bulletin page. So on the other page, right, bulletin aerobics today. The circle says wait on the bottom, love of neighbor on one side, love of God on the other side, and celebrate on the top. And it sort of is asking us to participate in this sort of division of things for Advent. Now, one of the things that the guy, the guy who came up with this, a friend, says, how to try the common rule for Advent? One, first, is admit Christmas is crazy. You'll have this on, if you grab one of these forms after church. The second thing is to invite some friends to do this with you. Not all of you have the opportunity to speak into a mic to a church of people, but you are the friends that I'm inviting to do this with me. Subscribe to the email list. I would say don't worry about that one. It'll be on here. If you want to subscribe to the email list, go for it. I, if anything that important happens on this, I will share it with you. But, um, and celebrate and wait. That's what he's asking for, for us to do in Advent, is to celebrate and wait together. 
So what are the daily habits that he's sort of asking you to commit to? And these things aren't, you're gonna have to customize it yourself. For instance, some of you don't have a smartphone. Looking at you, Merle. So the, the read scripture before you reach for your phone in the morning may have to be something different for you depending on where you are in your life. Read scripture before you turn on the TV or radio. Read scripture before you jump to the newspaper in search of the news. So the daily habits, though, he sort of asks people to do are this, are this keeping prayer three times a day, um, a communal routine that you do together with the people who live in your closest proximity, which often means your family, scripture before your phone, and no phone while waiting. Use the time of waiting that you have to ponder the waiting that, the, that happens in Advent. We await both the incarnation in, in a figurative way with the Jews who awaited that, and we also await the second coming of Christ. That maybe during the waiting we have during this time of Advent, we can train our minds to something higher. But on the bottom side, side he has some positive things. Throw a huge party. One that I think is particularly meaningful is to take that long conversation you've been meaning to have. Spend one day serving. And then one fast for 24 hours. Some people for health concerns can't do that. But like I said, you can customize it and make your own. But maybe one of the first ways we can do this together is to ask, what are some practices we can try for Advent starts December 3rd or 4th and Christmas Eve is the 24th, so for less than 21 days, what can we commit together and then talk to with one another? Sure, we'll be talking about it at the house church, but, but we can talk about it at potluck after church. We can talk about it just by checking in during the week to ask, you know, did you try any of the crazy Advent commitments Matt was weird enough to ask us to do? Maybe you picked one, but you can at least check in around that. And I think through that, we can begin to move towards the question of how are we doing? What are the challenges that this community and this life has? And that through that, we can be built up into the body of Christ, which is a sign of that kingdom in the world. Let us pray. God, you are bringing these communities spread out through the world, the church, to be the place where your body rules and speaks and acts. You've bound your presence to the church here on earth. God, we lift up the people gathered here, the people of Defiance Church that are here and traveling that you would give us clear mind, clear spirit, and clear focus to discern what does it mean for us to be together in a way that exhibits a common life that points to your kingdom, that witnesses to the kingdom you've announced in your son Jesus. It's that you be with each one of us as we move into a busy season. Advent, Christmas, New Year's. Three things that can pull us away from the miracle of your incarnation that we celebrate this time of year. I ask that in small ways you can empower us in this church through your spirit. 
to witness to the kingdom during that time. To be a witness in a world that's chasing after so many of the next things. The newest iPhone, the newest video game system, the best Christmas party, being on the good list. That you can empower us in just small ways to see the ways in which being your body here on earth can aliven that season for us in different ways. We ask all of this in the name.